text, Jesus encounters a man that has special needs. He was deaf, had a, a speech impediment, and he struggled most of his life uh, trying to just get along in a culture that often looked down on people with disabilities. Uh, uh, a lot of times people struggle with uh, certain uh, difficulties and they go through life always feeling like they're they're got one arm tied behind their back they've always have something that's uh, hindering them from from thriving or succeeding in life and here's a, a young man with uh, physical disabilities and uh, often in that culture people would look down at them it's as if they had done something wrong or maybe their parents had somehow sinned and God calls this physical affliction on their life. So you can only imagine what it was like uh, before Americans with Disabilities Act, before all of the things that we have now to help people that struggle in different areas. So we wrap up chapter 7. Today we see the heart of compassion that Jesus has for people that often feel like they're on the outskirts of society. People who sometimes feel like they've been left out or neglected or somehow are less than. And he reached the unreachable. He reached out to the forgotten. Jesus longed to reach those who were the outcast and unlovable in society. And these are the very ones that he came to save. As we look at the word of God this morning, let me encourage you just to have an open heart to what God wants to accomplish and how he may even use our church to minister to people with, with disabilities and, and special needs. That God, you can use the church to be a source of encouragement to point people to the loving arms of a Savior. In Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31, it'll be on the screen as we read together. It says, Mark chapter 7, verse 31, Then he returned from the region of Tyre, went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. They begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Apapatha, which that is, be opened. His ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed him. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? And God, I pray most importantly, if there's someone here today who's never placed their faith in you and for salvation, God, today would be that moment that they understand and your Holy Spirit would convict them and draw them into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ this morning. And God, for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, we're commanded to, to love the world and love those around us and to lead them into relationship with you to make disciples of Jesus. And God, I pray that we would have a heart of compassion for those who are far from God, those who are struggling to fit into society. And God, may we have a, a desire to see them come to faith in Jesus. And Lord, may you star our hearts with compassion this morning. We'll be careful to praise you for what you're going to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a lot, I believe, that we can learn from the Lord's response today in our text. If you look back at verse 31, Jesus makes the unreached a priority. He looks across the crowds and he sees the people that no one sees. He sees, he looks out and he sees the Zacchaeus up in a tree. 
And he sees the beggar. He sees the blind. He sees the poor, the lonely, the confused, the discouraged, the defeated, those who are leprosy. He sees those people not as someone who's less than, but someone who needs a savior. Folks, if we want to make an impact as a church, we've got to look at our culture and our society and see everyone as someone who has a soul, who's going to spend eternity somewhere, even in, either in heaven or in hell. And a desire must be within us to have compassion on the lost and bring them into faith of Jesus Christ. So Jesus makes reaching the unreached a priority. Verse 31, he says, he returned from the region of Tyre, went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. And the region of Decapolis, last week we were reading how Jesus traveled to Tyre to minister to a mother whose daughter was possessed by a demon. And, and she reaches out, and you can remember the story from last Sunday. Here he was reaching across cultural barriers and cultural lines that people didn't cross, people didn't uh, uh, on a total blank. Jews uh, didn't often speak to people from other nationalities, and and they were they wouldn't cross cultural barriers. And so she reaches out and says, "Hey, would you come and and, and touch my daughter and heal her of this demon possession?" And and Jesus literally said, "Because of your faith, because you believe that I am the Son of God, your daughter has been made whole. Go home. She's been healed. The, the demon had been released." From her body and and jesus had compassion on her because of her faith and, and so he saw that her faith touched the heart of the lord and he healed her on the spot now he goes about 20 miles north to sidon and which is very unusual why did he do that well the word didn't always tell us why he traveled into certain regions or certain areas but with no record of what he was going to do but one big thing he's doing is He's training the 12 disciples to see God moments, moments of, of a divine intervention where God is going to work through them to minister to the least of these people who are desperately in need of a touch from the Savior. And so we see the importance of reaching the unreached, especially those outside of Israel. Every encounter was a divine opportunity to share the gospel. He then heads over to an area known as Decapolis before eventually heading back up to Galilee. And he was taking the, the long way back home. And you say, why is that? Because there was someone he was going to encounter that needed to hear of the Savior. In Decapolis, he ministers to a man who was unable to hear. He was deaf. He had a speech impediment. And it was, it was significant that Jesus came back to this region because in Mark chapter 5, the people of of that area had begged him to depart from them. And I'm thankful today that God never gives up on his children. He never gives up on us. Because even when we say, no, God, I don't want to listen today. I don't, I don't want to hear what you got to say. I don't want to hear what your word. He never stops knocking on the heart of our door. He never gives up on your child or your grandchild. I mean, sometimes we're like, man, they're so far from God. God doesn't give up. He hasn't forgotten them. In fact, he's constantly pursuing us, seeking a deeper, more intimate relationship with us. And, and so God is speaking through him, and he's using them, and he continually calls us to repentance. He's giving these people a second chance. And I love how the people this time were excited to see Jesus once again. How did that happen? 
It was because of the faithful testimony of a formerly demon-possessed man who got saved and goes back into the city and begins to share who Jesus is and how he radically transformed his life. So here in, in the last two chapters, we've had two demon-possessed people set free from the hands of the enemy. So talk about revival breaking out. Talk about the power of God on display. God is radically transforming lives all over this region. He's deployed, he was deployed to live on mission with his neighbors. So look at verse 32. They brought him to a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Jesus goes out of the way to an out-of-the-way place in order to reach someone who felt out of place because he had a special place in the heart of those who had special needs. Jesus was constantly ministering to the least of these. He saw the people that were annoying in society, and he says, that's the person I came to save. That's the person that don't look up in that tree and see Zacchaeus. You know, don't look at that beggar at the street corner. Don't look at those are the very people Jesus came to save. He came to change lives. And so they, they, they begged him to lay hands on him. And they, he had a special place in his heart for those with special needs. Colleges have wrapped up their semester in the last two or three weeks and they're, they've moved on to summer school. Uh, most of our private schools have finished their school year. A lot of the traditional schools will finish up this week. And, and over the course of the next two or three weeks, all of the schools in Wake County will have finished up their school year. If you're a, an educator, you're a teacher, thank you for your investment in these children. In fact, every single one of these kids, we owe it to our teachers and educators. Let's give all of them a, a hand this morning. Thank you. Thank you for loving and leading them into a, a deeper relationship. And folks, even those that teach in public schools and universities, you can be a bright light for Jesus Christ in a world that's desperately in need of light, of hope, of wisdom, of direction, and all of those things. But many of you minister to people, to children with special needs. And many of you are, are, are an encouragement to them encouraging them, you can do this. You can succeed. You can learn. You can grow. God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. And so thank you for the encouragement because it's not easy. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's not easy helping people that have IEPs and they're struggling in, in their growth process. But folks, it's worth it when you see them walk across the stage and they have accomplished something and they go on and, and realize that God has a purpose and a plan for my life. So thank you, educators. Thank you, teachers, for loving on them, leading them in their growth process. May God continue to use you in the years ahead. And it's, it's not easy to target the unreached. But what it does is it often means going the long distances, sacrificing comfort for the sake of reaching others. We see, secondly, Jesus ministered in private. He, he uh, makes the unreached a priority, and he ministers in private so that there was no distractions. Many times people that have special needs often get uh, criticized or ostracized, and they, they they're often feel like they're put on the spot, so to speak. And 
They don't like to read in public or they don't want to you know, be called out to have to give a speech and, and they're intimidated. They feel, they feel nervous about being put on the spot and Jesus recognizes this. Verse 33 says he, and taking him aside from the crowd privately. This helped the man be less self-conscious and was a way that Jesus demonstrated the dignity of someone with a disability. Hey, I'm not going to put them on display to make a, a spectacle of them, but he was doing it an opportunity to just minister to him privately. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 23, Jesus did something similar for another man with a disability. It says he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. When the hypocritical religious leaders of Christ's day when they saw what Christ was doing, they would often criticize every single step of the way. But here was a, a, a woman caught in adultery, and Jesus waited until each one of them had left before dealing with her in private. Jesus often deals with us in private, and it's important because it enables us to come clean before God. Here's a man with a disability, instead of making a huge scene and, and casting him out and doing all these things in front of a large crowd, he dealt with him privately so as not to embarrass him or draw undue attention to himself. And I love how Christ ministers. I wonder this morning, are we allowing Jesus to minister to us in private? Do you allow, allow Jesus to minister in your private worship? Do you allow him to speak to you through his word, through, through worship songs? And are, we, are we allowing time on our knees in prayer for God to speak to us and, and to reveal to us his plan and his purpose? You see what happens? Sometimes it's hard to see and to hear through all the noise around us. And while it's essential to gather in a large group, and, and folks, it's, it's important, but it's also good to plug into a life group. It's critical to have a private time with Jesus every day in his word and in prayer. It's, it's vital for us in the growth process. But we see, thirdly, Jesus also touches personally. In verse 33, he says, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And it was an early form of simple sign language. Jesus personally reached out and touched this man. He cared about his existence. He cared that he wanted him to understand God's got a plan. He's a purpose. For you. You're not forgotten. You're not an old one. He reached out and touched him. And folks, he wasn't afraid to cross cultural barriers. Another to minister to and meet the needs of those who needed salvation. He cared enough about this man that he ministered to him personally, touched him. Well, then we see he goes on and he reframes the perspective. He changes this man's entire perspective on, on what was really important, what was happening. The next thing you see from Jesus is found in the first part of verse 34. He says, and looking up to heaven. What is he trying to teach this man? There is a force of if we will recognize Jesus is pointing us to the almighty power of God. He wanted him to see the only person who can transform and change your life is God himself. 
He has a purpose and a plan for which he's trying to accomplish. Looking up at, he wanted this man to know that the source of the power, the source of the healing comes from God. Instead of just focusing on his issue, that he was deaf, that he had a speech impediment, Jesus wanted him to put his attention on the Almighty. In Psalm 123, verse 1, it says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. God wants us to understand he is all-powerful. There's nothing that's too difficult for him to accomplish. And we can trust him. We can fully rely on him. We can trust him with every need in our life. He, all of this is a reminder. Jesus is demonstrating prayerful dependence on Almighty God. And he did so in, in, all throughout the Gospels. He, when he took the five loaves that we looked at just a couple Sundays ago and in Mark chapter 6, verse 41, it says, He looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. He could have easily just distributed the bread and performed a miracle, but he acknowledged his dependence on Almighty God. And folks, when we pray, we're reminded that I am desperately in need of a touch from God. It could be at a meal today for lunch as you gather after church with, with family or friends. And you know what it does? That it says to every single person in that restaurant or around that table in your house, when you bow your head and pray, I desperately need a touch from God. I am dependent upon God. I'm grateful. I'm thankful for what God has provided. In Mark chapter 6, 641, he, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing before raising Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. He gave glory to God. He, he acknowledged what God was accomplishing. Jesus begins his prayer in John 17. He lifts up his eyes to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may do what, church? Glorify you. You see, what happens is so often in life, we can walk across the stage and some of you got way more tassels and, and accolades than I did graduating from high school, but I'm sitting there watching. But folks, were it not for God's grace, none of this would be possible. Were it not for God's grace and, and, and giving us the intellect and the, and the parents that were praying and, and pleading with us to, to study and to do work hard and to invest in good education. Folks, all of those things is a direct testament of the providence of God. He's blessed us. He's given us far more than we did. So he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. That's why we're here, to glorify, to praise, to make known the deeds of Christ. And when, when, when people spend time with you, does their perspective change about who God is? Do we help reframe the story for people to see Christ in us? The hope of glory. Do they see what Christ has accomplished? Are you pointing people to God or to the crazy world around them? You see, sometimes, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, I have multiple times over the years, I have typed a little thing out on, on, the, uh, on, on social media, and you know what? I had to go back and go, what do you mean, Pastor David? It wasn't glorifying. It wasn't reflecting 
And I'm being transparent this morning because sometimes we can, in, in our haste, in our, in our anger, in our righteous indignation, be like, man, I'm telling you what needs to happen. And if I could just give people a piece of my, maybe we shouldn't have. Because people are watching our testimony. And just this week, I, I watched as a local pastor was blasting everybody out of the water on social media and I thought to myself, I wonder how many people are drawn to the kingdom of God from that type of a post. Because the unsaved world is gonna act like an unsaved world. And folks, if, if we come across as pious and, and prideful ourselves, we'll never reach a world that's desperately in need of a touch from God. And folks, just sometimes we have to filter that through. Am I pointing them to the craziness in this world? Or am I pointing them toward a relationship with God where he can radically transform our lives? We have to reframe the whole, the whole uh, uh, picture and perspective of what people are seeing. They must see Christ in us. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. He's giving us, he says, he's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Hebrews 4.15 says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are. What's that last phrase, church? Yet without what? Say it one more time. Yet without what? Sin. Jesus understands exactly where each of these kids are in 2022. He knows exactly where you're going to high school, where you're going to college, where your new job's going to be. And folks, I, I, I'm thankful he knows those things because he goes with us as we go our separate ways. And they start their careers as they start their, God is going to put the right people around them and I pray he surrounds them with people of godly influence, godly character. You say, well, the school they're going to is kind of crazy. You know what? God's still there. His Holy Spirit is still working. And even in the midst of Babylon, in the, uh, God can work his greatest work in their life. And they may need be the only Christian witness on that college campus. You shine for Jesus Christ in such a bright way that they see something different in your integrity, in your character, in your walk with God that ultimately points them toward a relationship with Jesus Christ. God desires to reframe our perspective. Let me point out that compassion comes out of communion with the Father. And folks, if our heart is hard, spend time with God in prayer. Say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. May God get a hold of our hearts and reframe our own perspective to see the lost in our culture, the unreached in our culture who are desperately in need of a touch from God. But then fifthly, Jesus speaks a word of proclamation. In the last part of verse 34, when the Savior speaks, amazing things begin to happen. It's this epaphatha that is be opened. All God had to do was say the word, and the word came into being. Remember Genesis? In the beginning, God created the heavens 
and the earth. And folks, he spoke and we came into existence. He spoke and God created. And so I love that he says, he says, be open. And here's this man who was born with this disability is now his ears are open. His tongue, he reached out and touched his tongue. Now, I, I'm not sure how much I'd want to reach in your mouth and touch your tongue. You probably don't want me to do that either. But Jesus reached out, and I'm telling you, it was a divine touch. It was a divine move because God transformed this man's entire life. He, 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 the proclamation, he told him to be opened. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, it says, But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. Psalm 33, verse 9, he says, he spoke and it came to be. When Jesus speaks, the world stands in awe and wonder of, of the power of God. And folks, as we ponder these points, Jesus, we see Jesus in action, engaging his feet as he walks amongst the unreached people of this world with, with special needs. And he takes his time to reach out and touch them and, and, and meet with them privately and meet their needs and draw them into a deeper relationship with God. His head, his eyes look up, his breathing becomes pronounced. In other words, he says he sighed and then he used his mouth to speak a word of release and freedom. And since we're called to follow the steps of Jesus, folks, we ought to do the same by making the unreached a priority. Seeing those who are on the outskirts of society and having compassion towards them, ministering privately to people. It all doesn't have to be done on the stage. It doesn't all have to be done down here in front of the entire church. A lot of what happens in ministry in any church setting is one-on-one. -on -one. It's out in the highways and hedges praying with people, compelling them to come into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not always done on the platform, touching the hurting personally, giving people God's perspective and speaking a word of gospel proclamation. But see, then we see there are three results that flow from the response of Jesus. I want us to see those quickly as we finish up this morning. We see in verse 35, there was immediate healing. When Jesus spoke, there was immediate healing. In verse 35, it says, his ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Immediately he was healed. But then we see, secondly, there was a zealous proclamation. Strangely, Jesus wants them to keep quiet about what happened in verse 36. It says, Jesus charged them to tell one one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they told everybody. They proclaimed it. Good news is hard to keep quiet. I remember Jackson and Jesse, when you guys were first expecting, I don't remember how it came up, but somehow one day he and I were talking and he said, I have to tell you something. He says, we're expecting our first child. It's like, don't tell anybody. I mean, do you know what that's like to do to someone? You're like, don't tell anybody, you know? And so I'm walking around, and I'm like, eventually you have to tell people because, I mean, that's not something you can hide for so long. I mean, eventually, you know, things begin to develop, and, you know, you're starting to ask questions, and someone's sick a lot, and, you know, you're having a... And, and so I remember when they finally made it, 
Facebook official or you know, Instagram official, and they announced it and told the whole world, said, finally we can talk about it. You know, he says, the more that he says don't talk about it, the more they proclaim Jesus saves, Jesus heals, he transforms. And it's interesting, they're told to tell no one, they tell everyone, yet we're told to tell everyone and we seldom tell This is convicting. They're told to tell no one, and yet they're shouting it from the mountaintops, from the rooftops, that Jesus Christ saves. He transforms, and we're told to tell everyone, and somehow we seldom tell anyone. And then we see, thirdly, there was an overwhelming astonishment. This passage ends up on a note of praise with a reference to fulfilled prophecy. And verse 37 says, they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes, he says, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And the, the tense of this verse shows us that they were in a continuous state of being awestruck. People's minds were blown at the power of Almighty God. He wasn't even, he was run out of this town, folks. But yet Jesus comes back because there's someone else he's called to minister to. And his disciples are on the front row of seeing all of God's power on display. And Jesus is healing and transforming lives. And the people were astonished beyond measure. Back to verse 37, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. They were truly amazed. At the power of God. And I love the statement they proclaim. He has done all things well. We, we sing the song, It is well with my soul. It's easy to sing that song and like, man, this is this is powerful. But if you know the backstory, Horatio Spafford. Lost his children on a voyage across the Atlantic going to Europe. His wife took the kids and she survived, but the kids did not. And he's traveling back across to be with his wife who's brokenhearted and weeping. And the captain of the ship sends word to say, we're over the very spot where the, the ship went down that your family or your Children died, and he writes, when peace like a river attendeth my soul. He talks about, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, what happens is, when we have a relationship with God, even though we don't always understand his ways, his plans, his purposes, we know that they're higher than ours, and we can trust fully in what God is trying to accomplish so it says, he has done all things well. What an amazing testimony and discovery that shows God's sovereignty and power over all things. He truly does all things well, church, even when we might not always understand his purpose or his plan. I love that. He has done all things well. I wonder, church... What do we do with all this? What, how, do we, how do we land this plan? Jesus cares about those with disabilities 
and so should we. He cares about those with special needs, those who are on the outcast of society. He cares about them. And those are the very people Jesus sought to minister to. If you remember, Bartimaeus was the blind man and was in a similar situation. And Christ radically saved him. He touched his body. He healed him and he restored his faith in God. Nearly one in five Americans live with some type of disability. And as many as 10% of our population has a severe disability. We must become more aware of those around us who may be wondering if there really is a God. How can he allow me to suffer so? How can he allow me to struggle such in this world? How can he allow me to feel so lost and, 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 and at odds with God? We must reach out and embrace them as Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, verse 13, he says, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I'm telling you, what God does when he saves us, he does something we can't do for ourselves, folks. We cannot save ourselves, but he forgives us and he cleanses. So he's showing us the heart of the Savior. I wonder this morning, are you struggling right now to say, he does all things well. Don't look at the person beside you or across the aisle. Are you struggling right now to be able to say with confidence, with assurance, he does all things well. Because you see, when you're praying for a good outcome on a test, at school, you don't get it. He does all things well. Maybe it's a health test, and you're going to the doctor, and you get that phone call from the doctor, and it's not the news you were hoping to get. You get bad news from work, and that position you thought you were going to get was given to someone else, or they've had a higher increase, and you're trying to make sense, and you look in your 401k and it's not looking like it did a few weeks or a few months ago or you're trying to figure out how you're going to put $120 in your gas tank this week because you don't have that much extra in your checking account and the price of food and clothing and everything is going up and we're trying to figure out, God, how am I going to, and I'm struggling with, he does all things well. about it. Sometimes God doesn't heal. Sometimes he doesn't change our situation the way we would like. In fact, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, it says, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? 
Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? When you read this, it kind of cuts straight to the heart because we can be angered with God or we can trust in his sovereign providential hand of knowing that somehow, some way, God has me in the palm of his hand. And folks, there is nothing that can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. He's going to perform his greatest work through trial, through tragedy, through loss, through defeat, all of those things. Folks, God still has a purpose and a plan. And if we'll trust him, we can say he does all things well. As we'll read later. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm confident this morning 